Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by the SATC Solutions Center. You can connect with us on Instagram or Twitter where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. For more information, including our email, visit us online at satcsolutions.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to Bridging Chicago on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Hi, and welcome to Bridging Chicago. I'm Leona Pulgar, your host. Our guest today is Angela Mason. Angie is the Associate Vice President of Community Engagement and the Senior Director of Windy City Harvest. Windy City Harvest is is Chicago Botanic Gardens Urban Agricultural Program. Windy City Harvest offers educational programs in urban agriculture, as well as job training opportunities. Their headquarters, the farm on Ogden, is located in Chicago's Long neighborhood. Windy City Harvest has got urban gardens and farms, including rooftop farms, located throughout Chicago and the surrounding area. Angie, welcome to Bridging Chicago. Thank you. Happy to be here today. Angie, I'd like to start out, um, first of all, asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself and the role that you have with Windy City Harvest. Yeah, so I started at the Garden uh, in 2003. Uh, It's you know, if somebody would have asked me 20 years ago what my career path was going to be, I definitely would not have said farming. I definitely would not have said living in Chicago. Um, my goal was really to design public garden spaces and to uh, facilitate that kind of people-plant connection. And so while I was working on my thesis, a uh, position opened at the Botanic Garden as a coordinator of community gardening. And so I looked into it and it sounded interesting and started interviewing. And in the interview process, they said, well, you're going to start a farm with teenagers and you're going to grow organically. I was like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> and in the back of my head, I'm thinking, oh God, Angie, you don't like teenagers. You don't like farming. You want to be working with, you know, plants. What what is this? And, yeah. and, so I, I, I just missed that little voice. Yeah, I just I just missed that little voice in the back of my head and said, let's do it. And so I I was given the job offer and started this what is now our Windy City Harvest Program with our Green Youth Farm in Waukegan, North Chicago. And it was me and 13 teenagers, an acre of land, and just a series of miniature disasters. Okay, so a rough start then. It it was a rough start, but we learned so much together. And I think when I took a step back and, and kind of looked at the programming that we were trying to offer and the things that we really wanted to do, we were facilitating that people-plant connection. I was designing 
uh, a space that people could garden in public. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't, I had to shift my It wasn't how a little you bit. in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I, I always thought that I would work uh, in community gardening until something opened in display gardens. And that's been 18 years ago, and I'm, I haven't okay, looked back. Obviously, you found the niche. <laughs> you're there. Yeah. You're doing this for so long. Where, yeah. where are you originally from, Angie? I grew up in the Quad Cities. Okay. Um, I, uh, my dad was a welder for John Deere. We, we lived out in the middle of the country. I spent all day out in the woods. I playing and nature was always part of, um, who I was. Yeah. Gardened with my grandparents. I did canning with my grandmother. You it's know, all of those. that you ended up where you are now. It's it's like a natural. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, can you tell us about some of the programs that Windy City Harvest offers? I I mean, just looking at your website, it's just immense. So maybe you could touch on some of those and you know give us tell us a little bit about those programs. Yeah, we really started, so when we started the the youth farm program, it was a challenge from Senator Durbin. And it was a challenge from him because he had supported um, our school garden initiative uh, for a number of years. And we could say we served 10,000 kids a year. But what that meant, because you garden in the summer, kids aren't in school in the summer. It meant we would go in in the spring. We would put a pretty garden in with the kids. We would have a classroom out once an hour for the full day. They'd put a plant in the ground. At the end of the day, we'd be like, okay, that was fun. Good luck. And hope for the best. Right. And they didn't see the process. They didn't see success because the gardens relied on volunteers in the summer to kind of get them through the summer. And we were planting mostly perennials and annuals. We weren't planting much in the way of vegetables. So they'd come back in the fall and the gardens would just kind of... Well, it wasn't a hands-on experience, truly. No, not enough. And so he said, I don't want to, I, I, I want to see something more impactful, something more meaningful. Yes. And so we took a step back and looked at something that, um, that could really create impact, that could have, have real meaning, that could have that hands-on component. So that's when we launched the youth farm and that was in 2003. Uh, from there, we we you know we had two years of running that site in North Chicago, Waukegan. We still have it. It's our Green Youth Farm program in Lake County. And as we were figuring out the program model, uh, we had funders who had worked with us on the school garden initiative, who wanted us to bring that model to North Lawndale. Mm-hmm. So in 2005, we built our second youth farm site here in North Lawndale, adjacent to the farm on Ogden. 
which I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want our listeners to know that is where you are right now, recording. You're at the farm. Yes. Yes. Okay. So they our, can see a little bit of the background. Yeah. Um, it's our, our headquarters now. And that kind of happened organically over the last 18 years. We, you know, we, we put that second youth farm in. It worked as well, if not better, here in the city. And mm-hmm. so the same funders, it was the Staines Family Foundation that supported um, our North Lawndale Youth Farm. They said, well, will this work with a difficult to employ adult, adult population? So, well, I, don't, I don't know. We can try it. Mm-hmm. And that's when we started looking at other models that could support a transitional jobs program for people who are coming out of the criminal justice system. And we piloted that in 2008. Um, and again, we had a series of miniature disasters that, um, that you learned from. Yeah, that we learned a great deal from, and it really helped shape uh, what our program is today. We ran that pilot program at City Colleges of Chicago, the Arturo Velasquez Institute campus, because they had a greenhouse that wasn't being utilized. And they wanted to activate that space. And so we we were running this pilot of our core program. And in the meantime, talking about what it would mean to start our apprenticeship program and really engage the city colleges and have have a four credit opportunity for graduates of our youth farm program, graduates of the core program, and others who wanted to work in this space. And that's that's 15 years ago. And 15 years ago, it was near impossible to find somebody who was interested in kind of the social justice side of farming, interested in urban farming, and interested in kind of this model of of what is now a social enterprise. And that kind of leads me into um, your collaborators. I noticed on your website, you have a lot of organizations and companies that you collaborate with. I'm sure they've played a huge role in the success of Windy City Harvest and your programs. Oh, we couldn't do it without them. Well, what are we, some of those? Um, well, uh, the Farm on Ogden, for instance, is a partnership with Lawndale Christian Health Center. Okay. Um, and we we have a $0 lease for the space. And in exchange, we offer our VeggieRx program free okay. to their patients. Mm-hmm. And so it was a way to really have an anchor site in the city for our programming because we didn't have office space in the city. We would work out of our partner organization's spaces. We would find a coffee shop and sit down with our laptops. We would, you know, we would squat wherever people would find space to work. Yeah. Yeah. And we have 17 farm sites scattered all over the, really 16 scattered over the south and west sides of um, Chicago. And then our one kind of, uh, our one satellite now 
that started it all in Waukegan, North Chicago. So we really needed, we had outgrown all of the places that we were squatting. So you needed <laughs> a base. You needed a base. We needed a home base. Yeah. And that's, you know, we started talking about the farm on Ogden 10 years ago with Lawndale Christian Health Center. And that conversation evolved over time as to what we would do together because Lawndale Christian Health Center, they serve over 50,000 unique patients a year. Mm -hmm. And a lot of their health issues are related to food and food access. So it's we were growing food. Absolutely. So the Veggie RX program. What I I read a little bit about it, but I think I would like. Could you share a little bit of uh, information about that? Yeah, we have uh, five healthcare provider partners, and they they refer patients to us. It's part of their their patients' um, health and wellness plan. It's for people who have diet-related disease and who are on federal benefits or eligible for federal benefits. Okay. Uh, they prescribe boxes of produce. So patients will come to one of our pickup locations. Our main one is obviously Parman Ogden. Okay. And uh, they have the opportunity to participate well, they're required to participate in a cooking demo and nutrition education class that we offer too. Mm-hmm. And the nutrition ed is is part of um, the Chicago Partnership for Health Promotion. It's SNAP Ed. Mm-hmm. So they're learning they're learning about how to reduce sodium in your diet, how to utilize herbs for seasonings, how to take a recipe that is a a comfort food and, and make it in a healthier way. Okay. And so pre-pandemic, we had 400 patients roughly uh, in the program. Mm-hmm. And in 2020, we had um, we had over a thousand patients and we are on target to reach about and these are unique patients. They come back time after time after time. Uh, we're on target to reach about thirteen hundred patients this year. Wow! And you that able to service all of them with with this Veggie RX program. Yeah, and we had, you know, we have to. It, it used to be all produce that we grew. Mm-hmm. Um, we're now working with Midwest Foods to help supplement those boxes of produce because we can't grow enough. Food yeah. to supply our Veggie RX participants with so a, a balanced kind of collaborators, and they mm-hmm. you work with them as well. Yes, yes, they've wow. been an excellent partner. Wow! So I mentioned we had 17 farm sites. We don't own any of the land that we're farming on. It's all done in partnership. Oh, okay. So even the Botanic Garden, the Chicago Botanic Garden, is on. Um, Cook County Forest Preserve land. So that's the way that the garden has always operated is in partnership. Yes. Well, it, 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 I'm sure that helps so much and, you know, you've grown your successful um, organization. Um, one thing I, I wanted to touch on earlier, but I didn't, for 
people that don't really understand what urban agriculture, urban farming is, can you give us maybe a brief description of what it really is? Yeah, it's, it's, it's farming in small spaces and utilizing every square inch you possibly can to be as productive as you can. And, um, you know, I, our farm sites range from the size of one city lot to two acres. Okay. And two acres is our largest site. And that's, that's a pretty large urban farm site generally. And also, I, I uh, read on your website, you have rooftop farms as well. We do. We, we do. It's, it was really interesting. Um, back in 2012, we, uh, we started our first rooftop farm at McCormick Place in partnership with MPEA and uh, the Metropolitan Care and Exposition Authority. And Saver Chicago. Saver Chicago is the food service provider for um, McCormick Place. Oh, okay. And they had a traditional green roof that was planted with sedum, and um, and we we took a look at it and took a look at what we could do to supplement the the growing media on the rooftop to see if it would support the growth of vegetables. Okay. And we also had to take a look at the microclimate. There's, we have about an acre now on the roof of McCormick Place. And there are so many little microclimates in that one acre that you really have to pay attention to um, in order to have a productive and when rooftop. you mean microclimate, it's, it, you mean like the different climates in the different areas of that one acre, correct? Yeah, we have, um, because we're farming on, we're on McCormick West, and we have farm sites on the east side of McCormick West and the west side of McCormick West. Uh-huh. Um, the east side, we're above the kitchen, so that generates extra heat. Okay. So. We have a, an extended growing season, even though we're growing in literally six inches of media. Wow. So it's, it's an interesting... From that kitchen, you're able to extend the growing season. And so you obviously get to plant it that way. Yep. Amazing. Yep. And, and then we have some places on the roof that have uh, deeper soil. There's a couple of places... Um, on kind of the rooftop terrace area that um, have two to three feet of soil. Mm-hmm. And we're growing things like uh, black cherries and figs wow. and gooseberries and currants and things that you would not expect on a rooftop. Absolutely. So not. it's it's a lot of fun. And we have bees on the rooftop. Most of our farm sites, we try to keep bees at. Mm-hmm. So... They, they um, help with the pollination, obviously, and they're very important. They are very important, and they produce delicious honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, um, what what are like some success stories you could tell us? I mean, everything you've said so far is absolutely successful, but I, I just know that even. Um, 
like your job transitional programs, Emily. Do some of those people go on to work permanently for Windy City Harvest or Chicago Botanic? Absolutely. Uh, right now, I have 30, 32 full-time staff. Mm-hmm. And uh, 70% of my team are graduates from uh, one of our programs, oh, whether wow. it's the apprenticeship, core, youth farm. They've, they've been in one program or another. Sometimes oh, so the full continuum. That, you know, it's not just a transitional thing. It, it becomes a permanent thing. Yeah, and really we have we have a pretty high success rate at placing our transitional jobs, our core program members. Um, we have a target of placing 80% in full-time employment a year. Oh. Uh, and we do track them for two years mm-hmm. to see if they stay employed and, and what their career path has looked like. With our apprenticeship program, we have about a 90% placement rate in the field. Um, and what's interesting, yeah, and what's interesting with our apprenticeship program is um, we have one third of our positions, and there's only 20, 22 positions in our apprenticeship program a year. Okay. One third of those are held specifically for core graduates. Mm-hmm. So that we can the place for them to continue if they're interested. Yeah, if they're yeah. interested in continuing. So we get roughly six or seven young men and women a year from our core program that enter into the apprenticeship, okay. and then the other third are um, what would be considered um, workforce invest. Investment Act, Opportunity Act uh, eligible. So they're low income, have barriers to employment, they're re-careering, they're looking, they don't have necessarily a, a college experience. Okay. And then one third of our population is uh, um, people who find us through City Colleges catalog. They're interested in urban agriculture mm-hmm. and they want to try it on. And you know, we get a lot of people who uh, apply. We get over 150 applicants for that program a year for the 21, 22 spots. Mm-hmm. And we do a work shadow day because a lot of people think that farming is sexy. Okay. Um, but it is. <laughs> you're going to get it is. dirty. <laughs> you're you're going to get dirty. You're going to be out there in rain, snow heat mm-hmm. i mean any any element you it's can a think of your yeah. it's a hard job and you know so we we have a work shadow day where people can come and try it out for a day mm-hmm. and of those 120 applicants over half will say yeah i changed my mind <laughs> so the great thing is you have the shadow day i mean it, yeah. it's it's great for them to see hey is this really for me, you know? Right. And I'm sure it could work the opposite way where someone could say, okay, I'm just coming here. I know I don't want this, but then find out, hey, this is really great. We get a lot of that with our youth program and with our core program where mm-hmm. they're just coming because it's a, they have to. a, a paid experience, a paid work yeah. experience for them. And then they try it out and 
It's fine that they end up building it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, I know that um, it seems like urban farming, urban urban agriculture has really come to the forefront over, I don't know, the last five to 10 years, maybe. What would you attribute that to? I think that people want to see positive change in their communities. And one way to really make that happen is build community again. And people don't live in the same house for 20 years anymore. People move around a lot. Yeah. And so it's really hard to build a community when people are there for one or two years and then yeah. they pick up and move. They're very transitional, yes. And so I think one of the things that urban agriculture does is it pulls people out of their houses. You can bring people together from all from all sorts of backgrounds. Right. And learn about one another. Learn, you know, about different food cultures. Learn about different cultures, period. And I think I think people are seeing that it, it it's it's one of those things that brings people together. Food brings people together. And so I think that that's part of it. I think it's, you know, wanting to know. I think the other part is wanting to know where your food comes from, too. And people want to eat healthier now. They want to eat healthier. They want they want healthier options. Yes. Uh, finding a grocery store that has the produce that you might want is challenging in some yes. neighborhoods. Which so to your store. Yeah. The store at the farm or not. Yeah. Uh, so when when we were building, when we were planning for the farm on Ogden, we did two things. We looked at where our core participants were getting jobs mm-hmm. because we wanted to provide real world work experiences right. for other industries than farming because the food system has a variety of, of things that make it happen like you have transportation you have retail you have you have restaurants you have all of these things to make the food system possible and so we looked at where core participants were getting jobs and they were getting jobs in um, vertical farm systems so hydroponic and aquaponic operations they were getting jobs in back of the house restaurant work they were getting jobs in warehousing, not just food warehousing, but warehousing, mm-hmm. car parts, whatever. Uh, they were getting jobs in janitorial services. They were getting jobs in retail. And so when we built this space out, we knew that we wanted retail. We knew that we wanted a space where people could come and buy their vegetables. We knew we wanted a teaching kitchen so we could run our VeggieRx program and do our cooking demos. We knew just looking at where core were getting core participants were getting jobs. We knew we wanted a 
um, our commercial kitchen. We knew that we wanted a vertical farm system. We chose to go with aquaponics because aquaponics is more complicated, more complex than which is hydro. High, and which is actually you're uh, right behind you right now, correct? I knew that before we started. Yeah. You showed us. Yeah. Yeah. So you can kind of see there, that's one of our raised beds. We harvest about 2,500 heads of lettuce a week from that system right now. Wow. And we're only about halfway complete. We'll put the other half online um, in about a month. Mm-hmm. And then our retail, it's not open yet. They're setting it up right now. But you can see it's its just a little tiny grocery store. And that's open so that allows, correct? That is open to the public, yes. Yes. Um, so those were the components that we wanted in this space. It was an opportunity to train. Um, and it was an opportunity for us to really professionalize our systems and help professionalize urban agriculture. Mm-hmm. Our aggregation and cold storage space has three walk-in coolers. It has, uh, it's, it's really high-end um, for food safety purposes. So... We're able to allow, we're able to train and support like food safety audits for our farmer incubator program. So, and all of those things are necessary in order to sell to larger institutional buyers. And having the ability to support our smaller incubator farmers pull produce together and distribute from Farm and Ogden allows for our farmers to sell to bigger markets. They don't have to rely on farmers markets. They can support bigger industries. Bigger markets and it makes it easier for them. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's so a lot going on. <laughs> it is. I mean the planning had to be just immensely intricate. And how long has the farm been there? How long has the... We opened in June of 2018. Okay, so relatively new. So, yeah. It is. And I'm sure that there is a lot of other, not just um, there, there had to be a lot of uh, companies or organizations collaborating with that to get that built, I would, I would assume. Yeah, Midwest Foods helped us planning with planning and outfitting the aggregation and cold storage space because it's our miniature warehouse and we're training people to go to work at Midwest Foods. Okay. Uh, we had um, uh, Chef Murray uh, with Bon Appetit. He helped us plan out um, our commercial kitchen so we had all of the right equipment. So our core members who work in the kitchen, they're going to be able to walk into jobs at restaurants, not as dishwashers, but maybe they'll be on the line and yeah. be a step higher in the pay scale. Uh, we like have volunteer chefs that come to teach or people volunteer their time, uh, you know, um, professionals. We have a chef on staff. Oh, okay that helps lead uh, some of the uh, food safety uh, training in the kitchen and helps develop 
some of our recipes for like we have a a few jams that we sell in the store that we make in house. Oh. We have sandwiches, salads, okay. all sorts of little grab and go items. Okay, that are part of our job training. So I'm you have seen a lot of changes in Windy City Harvest in the program since you started. It, it seems like it has grown, improved. It sounds like you're in a, a very good place right now. We are. We are. We actually, um, we partnered with the U.S. Botanic Garden to uh, develop an urban agriculture toolkit to help. I think one of the things that botanic gardens are struggling with right now is 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 staying relevant for a younger population. Okay. And one of the things that, like you said, urban agriculture has grown. It's something that people are really interested in. And so we worked with the botanic the US Botanic Garden to develop this toolkit. And we're doing trainings for botanic gardens across the world to develop parts of our, our training model here. Um, we have somebody from Australia who's participating in our virtual training right now. Uh, we have a botanic garden in Alaska. We have, wow. so it's been previous to uh, the pre-pandemic, we did the trainings in person, um, but we took them virtual this year and have reached a, a, a much broader audience to help. Oh. That you, you didn't let the COVID restrictions in that aspect hold you back. You, you did everything, the train, uh, those things virtual. And now that you're talking about uh, um, the involvement of you know other countries, I read a little bit about your trip to Cuba in 2016. Yeah. That, can you tell us a little bit about that? It, it, what I read was just amazing. Yeah, I mean, Cuba has been at the forefront of sustainable agriculture for over 30 years, and it was born out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when when you're kind of left to figure things out, you become very resourceful, very kind of resilient. Yes. In a way. Um, and so I toured, I toured seven different farms, um, across, across all of Cuba to see what systems they were using, see what sorts of things we might be able to utilize in our smaller urban farm sites. And it was an information exchange really because there were things that I could share with the Cuban farmers that we did that were interesting or different from how they manage their farm site. So I, I found it, it, it really was probably one of the most humbling experiences of of my career. Uh, One of the farmers 
was collecting aluminum cans and cutting them in half and using those as pots to start transplants. Um, one of the small farm sites that I went to uh, was using um, solar power to pump water from a well to irrigate their farms. One of the community gardens was utilizing um, a composting toilet to fertilize um, their their land. Now, some of this would not would not pass food safety standards. Sure, right, but, it, it, but you know, thought food for thought. You know, it just opened your eyes to other things. It it did. Um, I think. You know, I had a chance to um, to consult on some rooftop farming uh, projects in Paris, um, and and the contrast between the farming operations in Cuba and the farming operations in Paris was just polarized. And and the farming operations here, it just yeah. you you look at the things that people do around the world, and it's 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 amazing. But you have so many ideas. Yeah. I just mean yeah. people do things. Yeah. I came back from Paris wanting to start a mushroom uh, <laughs> operation here. So we haven't done it yet. Right. Yes. I'm plotting. <laughs> well, you know, and that's, that's one of my next questions is if you do so much now, what do you have any plans for the future for new programs or different programs? Yeah, we are working with College of Lake County right now to, we're planning on um, building a farm on Ogden style facility uh, with College of Lake County on their Waukegan campus, their Lakeshore campus, uh, which is really exciting. Um, I think the other thing that we're doing uh, next year is we're, we're, Trying to slow down a little bit okay. <laughs> and do some strategic planning to make sure that we can maintain the pace of VeggieRx. Mm-hmm. And, and well, that seems to big, be really growing from what you, you just said. The number it, of yes, it, it's, triples, it's tripled every year. And at this pace, like we, I don't know how we'll be able to continue doing it and still having it um, be meaningful and have that real impact. Uh, We did um, this year, we uh, received a grant from the Thayer Family Foundation to to build out a database Mm -hmm. so that we can better track the progression of our participants. Oh. Um, And... It also gives us kind of uh, a chance to use data to inform our programming, mm-hmm. uh, especially with VeggieRx, because we're able to track how many pe- people are coming 10 times or more, how many are coming 50 times or more, okay. what their change in eating habits has been, those sorts of things. Yeah. So really and now, looking right at now, you really can't track that. Uh, we were with pen and paper okay. and entering it into Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. And <laughs> much, much more efficient. 
digitally. Yes. Yes. And it, it's it's going to be able to, um, in a sense, talk to the health centers databases to figure out if there are movements in people's um, wellness and right. and 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 kind of measuring improvements in their health and wellness. Yeah. Well, so. it Windy City Harvest just seems like an all-around encompassing program, and uh, I think it's wonderful what you've brought to um, Chicago, the surrounding areas, and what you offer. Um, this has been really an informative podcast. I loved every bit of information you shared with us and um, we'd love to be able to expand on this at another time so hopefully we can we can do so um, yes absolutely yeah, come for a tour we would love to do that <laughs> um, but thank you so much for joining us today Angie thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solutions Center Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solution Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including, but not limited to, or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.